This is the Evergreen Forest. Quiet, peaceful, serene. That is until Burt Raccoon wakes up. Luckily, he has some good friends to help him out. Life would be simple in the forest, except for... Cyril Sneer. And his life would be simple, except for... The Raccoons! Hello and welcome to SMPD, the podcast where we look back at the cartoons that shaped our childhood. This episode, we are looking at The Raccoons. Yeah, The Raccoons is a funny one. Um, I I remember the show when it first came about in the UK, um, which would have been late 80s, I think. And then BBC Two had a block of, of, of shows that were before school, so it had the Smurfs and Raccoons in it, which would have been about 94, 95. And I remember it better, obviously I remember it more clearly from mm-hmm. that. But I think that sort of just rekindled it for me. I remember seeing it and really enjoying it as a kid, but I would have been too young to really take anything from it. Yeah, now I, I remember the <coughs> raccoons very, very early on. Hmm. And it's another one of those cartoons, for me, that feels like was always there. Yeah. Because it did seem to run for fucking ever. Hmm. Um, and I remember initially... As a young child, really liking the raccoons. Yeah. And then I kind of fell out of love with it, and it got to the point where the raccoons would be on, and I'd be like, oh, for Christ's sake, it's the raccoons. And I, and I would turn off. But initially, I remember absolutely fucking loving this thing. Like, really, really. Like, yeah. it would be one, you'd hear the theme tune, because it had a fairly recognisable theme tune as yeah. well. And I'd just run for it. I'd be like, yeah, the raccoons is on. And, and then I just kind of fell out of love with it completely. Yeah, I mean, I. I, I, I I don't remember it as clearly the first time around. I mean, it it ran its its actual release ran from nineteen eighty five to nineteen ninety two, but it there was so it did run for quite a while. There were only sixty episodes, right? So it would have just been blather. There were a few films though. There were were four specials as well. Uh, Because I remember seeing those. Look, they would always be on in school holidays and Christmas, and this time of year now. I mean, we we're recording this around Easter. And it is the type of thing that on a on an Easter Monday or a Good Friday morning or a bank holiday, like yeah. friggin' raccoons and the lost star would be I've seen that thing so many fucking times. Yeah. It is unbelievable. Yeah, so I mean, um you had four specials, sixty episodes and four specials. Um the first special was the Christmas Raccoons, which was completed yep. in nineteen eighty. Um and then you had Raccoons on Ice and Raccoons and the Lost Star. Um, and director video The Raccoons Last Dance uh, in 1981 US, um, the US TV network CBS, NBC and ABC approached the creators to produce 13 new episodes uh, in 1984 Canadian, Bro- Canadian Broadcasting Corporation and Disney Channel funded the series for four and a half million dollars it was Disney Channel I did not realise it was Disney it, that makes a lot of sense though because one of the obviously you don't look at these things as a child but one of the first things that struck me on rewatching the raccoons now is just how polished they, they, i mean this thing yeah. is insanely well produced yes i remember it being for some reason i remember it being a cheap looking cartoon oh no not this thing is really well produced yeah. i mean I, I, like i i always gravitated towards the disney cartoons rather than the warner brothers cartoons as a child so mm-hmm. seeing Gummy Bears and Rescue Rangers and DuckTales and Tailspin, seeing stuff like this that looked pretty good as well, it didn't, no, that didn't really mean me anything, it didn't really register, because yeah. that's what cartoons looked like. Yeah, and, and I mean, Disney is on a, on another level with this kind of thing, but Raccoons is, is up there, like, yeah. and not just in terms of the quality of the animation and, and stuff, like, the soundtrack on this was... Yeah. Like, it's not your standard plinky-plonky cartoon soundtrack. Like, this thing had actual licensed... I, I th- well, I think the music was probably written for it. Mm. But it had, like, a kind of pop-rock, almost new wavy sounding kind of soundtrack. Yeah. It was... Some of the songs are really good. Well, there you go. Well, on the page. The instrumental music was composed by Kevin Gillis, who was the creator, and John Straw, performed largely with the National Arts Centre Orchestra from Ottawa. Most, in- most instrumental cues were actually recorded for the Raccoons of the Last Star and reused. 
So yeah, it was yeah. all composed specially for it. Well, there you go then. Yeah. And, so, and again, we talked we talked about Animaniacs, and that was one of Spielberg's things. It had there had to be original music for the show. It's kind of it's endearing that people wanted to do that. People cared enough about the product, and you see a lot of these things where things are churned out. And we talked about um, Doug recently, and we talked about some soundtrack of that, and how that was very unique. And whereas you've got, you, we're getting to a point in the nineties where, uh, in the late eighties, early nineties, where things like the your idents and that, they were all just churned out, and you could quite easily have the same one in Darkwing Duck as you had in Ducktales, mm-hmm. you had in Chippendale, and not really realise it. Yeah. Whereas because stuff like this was done specifically for the show, you kind of think. Yeah, they made a bit more effort there. I like it. It makes it more. It's filmic, is what it is, yeah. because there there are a lot in the raccoons. It's very eighties. Yes, it is a very eighties product. But there are a hell of a lot of montages, hmm. um, and these montages were were set in in proper eighty style to like to pop music. Yeah, like it wasn't orchestral at this point. Like there was orchestral music in it yeah. as well, but there was montages in these episodes, and it lent everything a kind of feature film feel. Yeah, that's right. You know. Um, so yeah, it, it was, it, it's insanely, even now it holds up in terms of how it looks, it's an insanely good looking cartoon. Yeah. It, it's it really well animated. Um, yeah, it's, it's surprising. Hmm. Um, the show itself though, like, it's not, again, it's not really about anything. Every episode would have a kind of would have a story and there's the overarching story of Cyril Sneer and and what have you, but there's there's never you can't really call him a villain, is the thing. Well in the initial plan was, I think, that he was a villain. He was this kind of Rockefeller tycoon industrial sort industrialist sort of um, character who was just out there he he bulldozed the forest for a quick for a quick dollar. Yeah. And when but he, he never it, had a master plan. No, that he, he didn't. There was always a sort of, there was always a plan of the week, was yeah, that yeah. always got fucked up by the henchmen as yeah, things yeah. in cartoons tend to do. But it, I find it quite interesting looking at that character, rewatching this, looking at that character in a context of American politics now, where you've obviously got Trump in power. I got that from but, it as well. Yeah. But not just that, so the, a lot of so the very high profile Republicans um, mm. and so the, the industrialists, so the, the kingmakers and things like that. You, a lot of these characters have, there are a lot of elements of these characters in Cyril's near. There is definitely, you don't see it as a child, but watching it now as an adult, there is definitely an element of satire at work in this show. Yeah. yeah. And it's, I mean, it's forefront as well. Like, it's it's not subtle no. <laughs> at all. Cyril Sneer is a caricature. Yeah, that's no it. I mean, I mean um, Kevin Gillis, who created the show, um, was a Canadian. Um, but you very much get the impression there's a very sort of... I say it's, it's a very... Not anti-American, but a very um, exaggerated American characteristic. He's an American business tycoon, yeah. yeah. And then obviously... With the a big cigar. And, yeah. yeah. And the raccoons are in the evergreen forest, so they're more representing nature and that kind of thing. It was yeah. the evergreen forest, wasn't it? Yes. Right. Yeah, the evergreen forest. Um, so yeah, that, that much is, is clear, but he never... He's a cigar munching industrialist, yes, but there was never really any sense of threat or danger, like immediate risk to life that anybody no. was put in or, or anything like that. It was... They kind of went on adventures and it was all quite... The humour's quite slapsticky. Yeah. You know, but I mean, even to the point with like with Sneer, they kind of after the first season they turned him into almost an anti-hero. Yeah, he is. I mean, I, I remember Cyril Sneer as being just a part of the show as such, rather than being a villain. Yeah, if if that makes sense, like they they were stories that would centre around Cyril Sneer and his relationship with his son Cedric. Yeah, you know, and the raccoons would just happen to be on the peripheral. That I mean, I guess if you look at the show as a whole, I suppose. Just because of the way it's set up in the intro, Bert Raccoon is kind of set up as the lead yeah. character. Yeah. But this feels much more like an ensemble show. Yeah. Um, I mean, to be fair to it, you know, to its credit, as I say, it never really felt like there was a grand overarching story. But it is a very character-driven show in that aspect. You know, yeah. Cyril Sneer does grow as a character. Yeah, that's right. You know, and I think he's probably the the main one that does. I think. Everybody, because I think he's the first, but let, let's be straight about it. Yeah, he, he's not. I guess he's in inverted commas the the villain of the piece. Yeah. Because he's he's got villain traits, but I think probably the first thing, like anybody that's that's seen the banner for this show and seen the Raccoon's logo, none of you have thought of Bert Raccoon. The first person you thought of is Cyril Sneer. Oh well, yeah, absolutely. You know he's he's the poster child for the show. It, it took me a couple of minutes to remember. We, we 
we we put this list together months ago of mm-hmm. things to go on there. Um, and I think when we 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 both sort of put raccoons on there independently, and I'm like, oh yeah, that's a brilliant idea. And the things to talk about that on on that show. But it took me a couple of minutes when I actually started thinking about right, what what was the raccoons about? What do I need to bring up? What are the things that I still remember now before I start rewatching? And I'm thinking of this pink thing with a cockroach nose. Yeah. I'm not thinking of raccoons at all. I know that the show is called is the raccoons, and they are the set. They are supposed to be the main characters. But I'm thinking of Cyril Snape. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I mean, as a very <coughs> young child watching the show, I actually remember Cyril Snape being quite a frightening looking character. Yeah. I was quite scared of him. Because he, I think, because I think it's the cigar and the teeth. It's the cigar and the teeth, but also the fact that if you look at Cyril Snape, like he is, he is the same species as Cedric. He's his father. Yeah. Cedric is very groomed and very quote-unquote, normal. Yeah. Whereas Cyril is kind of bedraggled and befuzzled and a, a little bit less identifiable, really. I think the idea is yeah, he's yeah, supposed he's, to be... he's not. monstrous. Yeah. When you look at him, he is monstrous and he is quite frightening because he's such a bright pink colour and he's got the big claws and he's got yeah. sharp teeth. And then, like you say, Cedric, by comparison, looks nothing like it. And there was even... There was a, there was a girl one as well. Yes, it was... Um, uh, what was I want to say Sophie. I don't know. I can't remember anybody. No, there was a girl one and she had, like, Blue hair, I want to say. Sophia Tutu. Sophia Tutu, what a name. Yeah, Sophia Tutu. Cedric's ditzy girlfriend. Yeah, and, and again, she looked very normal. And those two were kind of friends with the raccoons. Yes, they were. Because um, um, Cedric and Bert Raccoon were best friends. Yeah. And then Bert lived with um, Ralph and uh, Melissa Raccoon. So they, they was always just um, it kind of an odd couple sort of friendship. Yeah. If you like. But yeah, you look at sort of the design of those, and they, uh, I think from ancestors from memories, I, I didn't rewatch that much of it. Cedric and Sophia kind of had their noses, they had the same shaped nose, but it was kind of rounded. It was a bit shorter as well. Yeah, right? I think that's because of the age thing. But Cyril also had this more of a, it went up into more of a point and oh, then darted so down. So Sneer's nose grows as they get older? Possibly. Mm. Um, but it, it kind of it kind of grew into a point and then sort of darted yeah. down rather than, rather than curving. Their dog had a cock nose as well, which I always found weird. I can't remember their dog. They had a dog. They had a bright blue dog. Can't remember its name. I can't remember. I'll have to look it up. But it had a, it. It also had snag. Snag. The, it also had the sneer cock nose. Now there you go. Snag. Cyril Cedric Sneer's pet dog has a has blue fur and a nose similar to his own, and a bad temper that rivals Cyril's. Yeah. So yeah. There you go. Now, again. As a child, you don't think about these things, which is, oh, he's, he's the sneers dog, so of course he's got, got the cocknose. Well, I didn't think it was a cocknose at the time, but yeah, of course he's got the cocknose. Um, watching it now as an adult, like one of the first things you ask is, what the fuck is Cyril Sneer? Yeah. Right. Now, I've come to the conclusion he's an aardvark. Yeah, now that was my assumption as well, but we just had this conversation before we started recording, um, that I thought he was an aardvark because of the nose. Yeah. But aardvarks aren't pink. That I'm aware of. I thought they were more brownie sandy. No, but what animals are pink? Dogs aren't blue either. <laughs> well, yeah, true. But um, raccoons are black and white. Yeah. I could, I, he, he very much looks like the aardvark that used to be in the Pink Panther. Yeah. Only an evil version of. Yes. Right? So I, I think he's an aardvark. So that explains his nose. Yeah. But why has the dog got a cock nose? Unless there's something weird. Selective be- breeding. Yeah. It, somewhere along the line of the sneers being involved in it. Is it bestiality technically if they're animals anyway? It's anything that's other species, isn't it? So it is bestiality. So somewhere along the line, has there been some sort of sneer bestiality that's created this mutant cock-nosed dog mm. that's kind of half dog, half aardvark? Possibly. Because otherwise, it makes no sense for the dog to have a cock-nose. Especially when the dog, the raccoon's friend, was it Schaefer? The, the, the sheepdog. The sheepdog, yeah. Was entirely normal. Just a normal it dog. It was a normal dog. It was what you expect to see from a dog. Well, there was another one as well, because Schaefer had a pup, didn't he? can't remember. Yeah, there's a, there's a little sheepdog as okay. well. Um, I, th- I want to say it was Bert's pet, I think. But, I, I mean, well, yeah, well. he's just like, he's, he's a tiny little version of Schaefer. Hmm. Um, so, yeah, they look like normal dogs. Yeah. So, either there's some kind, either Cyril Sneer's been involved in some sort of weird genetic splicing experiments, which, I guess that would kind of be in character. He's got the money and the temperament yeah. to do it, so maybe he's created this dog. Yeah, or he fucked a poodle. Or maybe not even him well it wouldn't have been him I wouldn't have well yeah I guess could it could have been. been yeah it could have been because he's quite an old dude yeah so he's not weird old dude with money get into yeah because then even like his henchmen like he has the pigs and the bears and they yeah. all look like normal pigs and normal bears yeah they don't have cock noses no 
So there's so something weird. All the pigs are bears, aren't they? So. Yeah, there's something weird going on with. Yeah. Well, saying that though, Cyril Sneer is bigger than the pigs, I think. So yeah. is he a giant aardvark? I don't. I mean, I, I think it's one of those. They're not cut. They're not representative because the bears aren't as big as they would be compared to raccoons. No, the bears can't talk either. Weirdly, from what I remember, the bears don't talk. I mean, I could be wrong. Yeah, I know bears. <laughs> I could be wrong, but I don't remember the beers talking. I remember everything else talking. Yeah, I'm, I'm not sure they did. I can't remember. Um, I could be completely wrong. I don't know. But the beers always seemed more like kind of big, dumb henchmen to me. And the pigs were the... Well, they can't, can't call them smart because they kept fucking everything up. Yeah, but they, but they were the... They were kind of the go-to henchmen. They, the, the bears were kind of the blood objects. Yeah. I mean, if you look at any, no, look at some, any sort of film where they're a henchman, you've always got the ones who do, they run their mouths and they do all the talking, and then the ones who are just brick shit houses. Yeah. And that's what you had that's the pigs what, yeah. on the bears for. Um, the pigs I always found quite interesting because they did always fuck everything up, but didn't they all call each other by the same name? Didn't they I all? Call, I think they all called each other Lloyd for some reason. I can't remember. Um, I, 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 I can't even remember what their names are. I just, they, they haven't got names. Pigs. They're just pigs. They're pig one, two, and three. Um, but I. I, I so when we first talked about this, I remember reading up about it, and they all, they all call each other Lloyd, and I think somewhere on the internet, somebody, some group have decided they were they were called Lloyd, Floyd, and Boyd, but they all they couldn't never remember they couldn't remember which one was which. They all, they all look Lloyd. fucking identical. So well, yeah, so I mean, I, and they all have the same voice, and that most of the time they speak in unison. So. Yeah, so I mean, it, it, I think I think it was probably you know, people reading too much into things, but yeah, it was just it's just one of those. They seem to be. Half formed as a character, uh, no, as, as individual characters. Well, yeah, we'll, yeah. We'll, we'll have a pick henchman. Actually, no, we need more than one. Let's just have three of them. Yeah. I'm not not bothering to make three characters. Yeah, there is a lot of weird stuff like that in here. There are a lot of tertiary characters. Oh, there's fucking loads. That, yeah, and, and they are just throwaway, like poorly constructed, almost sketches of characters. Yeah. And then you have things like the sneers, where they are very well formed, very well rounded flawed characters with, yeah. with interpersonal relationships that are focuses of whole episodes yeah. and some of it is really quite mature and intelligent writing yeah. and, and then you have pigs who don't even have names yeah and I think that the problem with or one of my problems with the writing of the show is that a lot more time was spent, was spent on developing the sneers than anybody else because yeah. you look at the, the relationship between Bert uh, Ralph and Melissa Raccoon it's not really that much there no Bert like comparison no Bert, Bert's main relationship is with Cedric. Yeah. But even that <coughs> pales in comparison to Cedric and Cyril, who aren't supposed to be the focus at all. Yeah, I mean... They're not called the Cocknoses. Ralph, no. Ralph and Melissa, you yeah. said? Look, I couldn't even remember these motherfuckers' names. No, neither could I have to right. look them up. Um, they're just wet blankets. They're, yeah. they're fucking... They're terrible characters. They're, they have no interest in discerning features whatsoever. No. Um, whereas Bert Raccoon does at least have a personality in that he's yes. wacky and zany and the most annoying character in the whole show. Yes. Possibly one of the most annoying characters in my memory of all cartoons from my youth. However, he's supposedly the lead. Yeah. His voice goes fucking through me like nails on a blackboard. Yeah. Not, uh... Like, this This show is all about the sneers. Oh, God, yeah. And as you say, it should have been called The Cocknoses. Yeah, unfortunately that probably wouldn't have sold even from Canada. I'd watch a show called The Cocknoses. Now you would. Yeah. At the time, possibly not. Yeah, maybe not. Um, I'm, fa- I'm fairly sure your, uh, your parents wouldn't have let you watch it. Mine certainly wouldn't have. No. Well, my mother wouldn't have. My dad would have been at work, but my mother wouldn't have. Yeah, okay, fair enough. But yeah. Um, what about so the Willy Noses? I mean, that's less offensive, isn't it? Let's call it the Willy Noses. Yeah, but yeah. I, I still think they'd, they'd probably better off because raccoon, raccoons look cute and cuddly as well. It's not only until you actually get them get to see what they do and how fucking vicious they are. I mean, that, that's the truth behind it. Is the main character had to be a raccoon because they are more friendly. They're going to sell more soft toys. Yeah. And and they don't look scary. They don't look imposing. Whereas, as you, know, as you say, you find yeah. the Cyril Snake quite intimidating. Yeah, yeah. Even now, I look at him now, and like, you can see the obvious comparisons now to what he's supposed to be. But he's still quite a frightening looking character. Yeah. You know, he, he is up there with fucking but, Mumra and all yeah. of those. Like, well, I mean, you get the impression, whereas like, Mumra and Skeletor and that, they had evil schemes and they thought they went through them. He was kind of a lot of bluster and a lot of talk. He was. And when yeah. it actually came down to it, he didn't, didn't do anything. No, uh, and that, that is, I think maybe that's why I got bored with the show, if I'm <laughs> honest, because as I got older, yeah, I got to realise that there's nothing, 
there's nothing really going on. Like every episode would be the same. It would start with Bert doing something wacky, yeah. getting into trouble. I mean, or he's, he's described largely on the internet as energetic rather than annoying, but he's a fucking annoyance. He is a fucking annoyance. Um, and then Cyril would hatch some sort of scheme, generally involving a misunderstanding of what's going on with the raccoon. Yeah. Uh, I, I, but again, like he, he's got this industrialist thing, but and and you presume that he wants to bulldoze the forest and put up a shopping centre or something. Yeah. But he never actually vocalises that. and never actually does anything about it. He just gets involved with... I guess the problem is nobody here in this show has any agency whatsoever. No. Bert does something, Cyril, Cyril gets involved, and that somehow it will resolve itself. Yeah. That's, that's how those go. Generally, because Cedric will get involved with whatever Bert is doing, Cyril will disapprove Cedric's relationship with Bert for no apparent reason. Although, to be fair, if I had a young child and he was knocking around with somebody annoying as Bert, I'd probably slap him around his head as well. Hmm. But that is how the show went. Yeah. And um, then, unlike something like, uh, you know, we've talked about Doug and we've talked about Rugrats, and unlike shows where then those characters, there'd be a moral behind these stories hmm. and those characters go somewhere with it, even though we've talked about Cyril growing as a character over the course of the show... I never really felt like there was a strong moral hook to any of these stories. No, it would I, just be zany antics. That's it, and I think that you look at the 80s, and we've talked about this before Conrad's show was on, but we talked about how there was always um, there was always some sort of social comment. Yeah. And this was first, well, this first appeared around about the time where you had the increased awareness of the hole in the ozone layer and talking about, talking about deforestation and... After what came into the sixties and seventies, which would burn everything, knock everything down, put up concrete and glass everywhere. So as a society, we were more aware of what we were doing to natural habitats, and I think this was a good co- uh, comment. And especially given that it was a Canadian output, where you know, Canada is a far more um, virile land and more fertile land than lots of parts of America, and is a lot less developed than lots of parts of America. It's a good opportunity to have a dig as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and so the fact that you know you had this character who was constantly trying to sell off, or apparently always trying to sell off bits of the uh, the forest to, to be developed, he was always trying to make trying to make his fortune so he could get away from that. It was it was, it's a it was a comment that you probably needed because it was the way to, to engage with the next generation of people coming through. The children coming through at the time wouldn't have been aware of things of like this, and I certainly wasn't aware of um, forest being knocked down. Yeah. Because I would be too young. But things like this would then got you thinking, I don't know, well, why does he want to knock the forest down? And then you start talking yeah. about, you know, for development and things like that. And it, it then spirals from there. And it's, it's, it's probably a more effective way than just hammering it into kids in schools. I think so, but I think perhaps we, where a lot of the issues come from with this show then is, I mean, you have to be careful not to be too preachy. Yeah. But then, if you look at something like Captain Planet, which was very preachy, oh God, yeah. however, that was front and centre, and that show then had some agency to it because Captain Planet would be fighting whatever villain it was that wanted to yeah. punch a hole in the ozone layer or whatever it was. Yeah. Whereas here, that stuff's kind of there in the background. Yeah. But it, it's never it's never brought to the forefront at all in any way. It's just there. Yeah, it's kind of it's a theme. And that's what's missing, I feel, from this show is any kind of real forward momentum from anybody. This is just a bunch of animals fucking around in a forest. Yeah, I mean, the, well, we've talked, we, we've had this conversation privately about some films that didn't need to be animated. Uh, Monster mm-hmm. House being a prime example. They could have quite easily made a Goonies version of that of that yeah. sort of film, but they decided to animate it. God knows why. Um, and this is kind of the same. You get the feeling that they could have made this show, but instead of having raccoons and aardvarks, it's just people. Yeah. And instead of being in a forest, they could have been in a city. Yeah. Or you know, sitting in a coffee shop. You, know, that you could have had it because. Where they were was ultimately unimportant. Yeah. Um, the message they were trying to the, 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 say the whole thing about um, industrialization and sort of decimation habitat, it was there, but it was they didn't do anything with it. No, I, and as the show went on, they focused more and more on the relationship between yeah. Cyril and Cedric. And that's and fine. And that's fine, yeah, that is fine. And, and it's one of the areas of the show that I think it deserves credit for. I think that yeah. stuff was handled very maturely and very well, particularly watching it now. As a child... I guess that's the shit that I wasn't really interested in. Yeah. Because I had no frame of reference for that. I didn't have a rich industrial tycoon as a dad. No. And I didn't have a strained relationship with him. And I wasn't a super intelligent fucking college major. Yeah. 
So I had no I had no frame of reference for that at all. Um, whereas stuff like you know the evil tycoon wants to knock down the forest and the raccoons live in the forest and so they're not happy about it and the two are going to fight. That I could have got behind. Yeah. Because even not understanding the ozone layer, like as a child, I've already seen things like Ewoks and Fraggle Rock. And yeah. So this is a story that I'm aware of and I've seen before and exists and you can put a different spin on it and then I'll get it. Yeah. But I didn't get any of that no, from the show. Yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't quite understand some of the choices that were made. I mean, obviously, at the, at the time this was developed, I wasn't even sperm. So, I mean, it's, it's one of those you think, well, okay... There will have been a process that has gone. They've gone through to get to where they are. We just think that they've kind of, they've gone down this route of making this making these characters who they are, position them where they are, but then they've not explored that at all. I think I think it's slightly different in the specials. Um, the specials do have a through line, and they are essentially small animated features. Yeah, they do have a very definite beginning, middle, and end, and there are stories in things like the Lost Star, which is is one of the things I always remember. But the show itself just seemed to lose that yeah there was no real driving force behind it and it wasn't again because it was cartoon animals and, and what, well no that's not even an excuse um unlike say a doug or a simpsons or a rugrats or other shows that can be about nothing and run forever yeah they didn't really they didn't flesh the world out enough to be able no. to do that. They just concentrated internally on these two characters. Yeah. And I mean, like you, talk, you mentioned Doug, which obviously we've talked about in a previous, previous episode. And we've, um, we've mentioned um, Simpsons in, that, in other shows. Um, but like, they started off as being fairly well contained. I mean, The Simpsons was, was about a family and then you had their neighbours and you had a couple of surrounding characters in a small section of the town. And the town has grown and they've introduced new characters over the years, over 25 years, whatever it was. To a point now where Springfield is its own character, mm -hmm. and um, oh no, a lot of shows have done that. They've built on that, but the recruits never did. Their world was confined to these couple of dozen characters, well, these couple of characters, and then their dozen or so yeah. supporting characters. There was no real influence by the outside world. No, and even those characters of the okay, I mean, let's just sound them off quickly that that we can think of. Because if we can't remember them, they don't count anyway. Oh right? yeah, that's it. So there's Bert Raccoon. Yeah. There's the two... I've forgotten the names already. The Ralph two, and Melissa. Ralph and Melissa Raccoon. Yeah. There's the, the, the two dogs, Schaefer and his puppy, who I can't remember yeah. the puppy's name. There's Cyril, Cedric, and... Sophia. Whatever, Tutu. Sophia. Right. Although she was phased out um, after, after a year or so. Anyway, so the cat was off shit. They didn't really... Just weirdly, I can remember her, though. Yeah. Probably because she was the girl, Sneer. Um, there's oh, the, the, the puppy was called Brew. There you go. There's the Sneer's dog... There's the bears, of which there seem to be a few, so we'll just count it as generic the bears. Yeah. And then there's the pigs, right, yeah. which will count the three as one. So that's 11 characters in yeah. total. Okay. Now, they can't even flesh out those 11 properly. Yeah. They only flesh out two of them, let alone a world at large. Yeah. You know, I mean, you could argue Bert's got some character, albeit fucking annoying. Yeah. But the rest of them are just kind of bland. Yeah, I mean, really bland. Yeah, I mean, there are two other characters listed on the on the wiki page. There's two other characters listed: Bentley Raccoon, uh, um, George and Nicole. So who, jo uh, who George was, I'm not sure. Um, as an expert with computers, very typical younger kid, the tendency to overemphasize his personal setbacks. Favors Bert while Cyril Sneer thinks highly of him. Uh, introduces Ralph's cousin in the first episode, but later retconned and thereafter referred to his and Melissa's nephew. So they didn't get it. They fucking backstory. Can't right. remember him at no. all. Um, and again, computers in the woods, buddy. Yeah, what do you plug it into? Well, that's a bait in that Wi-Fi, though. Um, and Lisa Raccoon, uh, Bentley's teenage basketball-playing sister, who becomes a prominent character in Season 5 after her first appearance in Season 4. So they even tried to add characters in late on, trying to, trying to flesh out the series, and that didn't work. But on top of that, then you had um, a list of about a dozen supporting characters... Um, none of whom I remember, apart from one, which was Cliff Sneer, who was um, Cyril's nephew, and Cedric's cousin, who was voiced by Corey Carlton. Nope, don't remember that either. I, I remember him, because he... Basically, you think I would, being as how it was a Corey. Yeah, um, but yeah, basically he was, he looked like Cedric, but he was, he was the absolute opposite. He was you know, he was popular and he was cool and didn't really give a fuck about okay. learning and shit. But beyond that, don't really remember. No. 
So I mean, you've got an entire on the on the Wikipedia I've printed out. You've got an entire page of supporting cast. I don't fucking remember. And, and therein lies the problem. Like this, this show should have everything going for it. It's got the production value. It's got raccoons who are cool. Like raccoons are cool animals. They yeah. should be easy to make. Like for fuck's sake, how do you make a show about raccoons and not have it about them being thieves? Yeah. Like what? How does that... Okay, so you want to do an environmental thing, fine. You can still have all of that. Yeah. But why don't they, like, constantly sneak into Cyril's mansion and steal shit and that's why he hates them? Yeah. No, even if you want to keep... You know, if you want to go down an environmental thing, they're stealing stuff to try and save their habitat. Like Wombles, yeah. essentially. What, yeah. Right, there you go. There's, a, there's an instant comparison, right? Yeah. Wombles is similar in that it doesn't ram the environmental thing down your throat. Yeah. It just so happens that they gather trash that people leave around and recycle it. Yeah. And the Wombles isn't really about anything. Yeah, exactly. But the Wombles had definite beginning, middles and ends to every story. And there was you kind of knew who every Womble was. They all had their own characters. Yeah, that's right. Fuck, Wombles even used fucking pop music. Fuck, they even recorded their own songs. Okay, what came, Wombles must have come first, oh, fuck right? Yeah. So, yeah, okay, I'm taking Wombles over raccoons, but there's no way this doesn't have an influence from the Wombles, the more I think about it. I wouldn't have thought so. This is just like the Canadian Wombles. The Quombles. Oh, dear. Um, right, so the franchise then was originally conceived by Kevin Gillespie. Fuck, Gillespie's. the Wombles have even got fucking long noses. Oh, there you go. So, conceived by Kevin Gillis in the 1970s while appearing in, a show, uh, in shows like Celebrity Cooks and Yes You Can. The initial idea was created by Gillis and columnist Gary Dunford. They drew the inspiration for, for Ralph Raccoon from a dilemma that happened at a cottage in Ottawa. Doesn't say what the dilemma was, I'm assuming they were trying to eat it. Um, Dunford backed out, but Gillis took the idea to Ottawa like a child and asked Wiseman, who saw potential in the idea, put together a large group of animators, musicians, and writers to create the first special. Um, so, yeah, so basically it was. They encountered a raccoon in the cabin in the woods. I decided to write a show about raccoons. I decided to write a show about raccoons, not knowing fuck all about raccoons, judging by the show. Well, clearly, because raccoons are thieves. Everyone yeah. knows this. That's it. And this isn't, yeah, uh, masks. yeah, and this isn't just a cultural thing because they're masks. Like, raccoons steal shit yeah, all the they're time. Scavengers. Yeah, it's what they're known for doing. Yeah, they are, they are scavengers. How do you make a show about raccoons and not have them thieving shit? And not use the phrase trash panda at least once. Well, yeah. But, <laughs> I mean, how. That's, but the more I think about that, the more it's really fucking annoying me that this is basically an animated version or a cartoon animated version of the Wombles with none of the charm. Yeah. None of the charm whatsoever. And, and I, none like, of the lasting uh, I, 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 I came into this recording, as I say, I kind of went off the raccoons, but I came into this recording from a place of very fondly remembering the show. So the early mm. sort of viewings of the raccoons that I really liked. And the more I think about this show, the more it's fucking annoying me now. And drawing the comparison with the Wombles has just really sent me over the edge. I'm sorry. That's like, that's done it for me. Like, this is so clearly inferior. Yeah. Because like, one of the things like, I was going to say that really holds up in this, I like, you know, I like the soundtrack and I like the music. And then I think about the Wombles and I was like, yeah, but there's nothing in here as good as Remember You're a Womble. Well, that's or right. a Wombling Merry Christmas. <laughs> like, ah. This is annoying now. This this show is really fucking wide. I don't think I've been this angry about any of the shows we've recorded. Quite possibly not. Possibly actually. because of squandered potential. Well, no, it is because of squandered potential. Like there's, there's a, a rich cultural vein there and an easy characteristic to tap into with raccoons. Cyril Sneer is fine. Leave him as he is. He's a great character. They've got the music. They've got the production value. They've got the story. They just don't use it. Hmm. What the fuck? Was everybody stoned? I mean... What? Probably was the 80s. Yeah, like, what What a waste. What squandered potential. Yeah, I mean, I, th I think it's probably a case of... You probably have been as angry, but you've, you've remembered it before we started recording. Possibly. Whereas I think it's dawned on you as we've been going, you're like, fuck! Yeah, it has really dawned so, on me yeah. now. Yeah. So then that's probably why. Um, so, yes, yeah, so we talked about the, um, the production that had been picked up by... Um, off from the specials by Disney Channel and CBC... Um, in Canada, it was shown on CBC on Monday evenings for the first season, and it was shown in a block consisting of Wonderful World of Disney and Fraggle Rock on Sundays for the next two seasons. Oh my God, how do you show this alongside Fraggle Rock? Well, that's it. Uh, 
Um, and then uh, for the fourth series, I shared a half hour block with the Beachcombers and then went to Friday, and then to Tuesdays for the fifth and final season. So, but they couldn't even hold a fucking block down. It was no. no. Like, like, let's just put a pin in it there for a moment. Like, just to compare, I've compared it to the Wombles, but to compare it to Fraggle Rock as well, which was one of the ones I brought up earlier on yeah. when we said about the story, right? Fraggle Rock has a very similar kind of environmental message, albeit a very well hidden one. Yeah. Fraggle Rock does hide what it's trying to say very well. Yeah. Right? And you've got the class structure and all of that and everything going. How the fuck do you have something that nuanced and well put together? And put it next to this, and expect this to even have a chance, like yeah, it's crazy, isn't it? It's not even, oh God, it's nowhere near the quality level of Frag Rock, and the two are so similar. Yeah, it, it is quite bizarre. And I, I hadn't put the similarities together until we started talking either. So Frag Rock, it is, it's quite strange, and it, but you do see a lot of that. And you do see a lot of derivative show derivative show put together. Because we, oh yeah, they're really similar. So yeah, because one ripped off the other one. Well, I mean, look, this is a time where, as you say, the environmental message and certainly the class struggle message between sneers industrialists with loads of money and the raccoons kind of scavenging to survive. That that is just the eighties zeitgeist. So yeah. these shows all came out at the same time, and they had the same, you know, in the same way now that you'll get two films come out in the same year on a similar theme. That's just they were tapping that creative vein. Yeah. So that was what people wanted to tell stories about because they, they were the big issues of the time. And I get that. What I don't get is how anybody in their right mind can put these two shows on at the same time. No, it's a little bit on the nose, isn't it? Like, one one day and one another day, maybe the raccoon stands a fighting chance. Yeah. I mean, I think this is telling for me is the fact that it couldn't it couldn't even hold a block. Whereas, you know, like we, this is not Saturday morning podcast, but we've been talking about Saturday morning. And here... Some shows we talk about were Saturday. Sometimes they're not necessarily Saturday morning shows, but we sort of remember them in that sort of vein. Yeah, yeah. But for, to have a show that aired on every single bastard day of the week, I had five seasons and it aired on every single day of the week. Yeah. Now, now the Raccoons to me is one of the quintessential Saturday morning shows. I remember it being on early Saturday morning, early Sunday morning. It was always fucking on towards yeah. the end of his run. You're right. It was on every day. But for me, when I was really watching it and enjoying it, it was the specials. Like I say, yeah. so it would be on early in the morning when you get up on on Good Friday or Easter Monday or whatever, yeah. the raccoons would be on. And it was on every Saturday. Mm. And and so it is a quintessential Saturday morning cartoon for me. But yeah, towards the end of his run, it just got battered. It was on all the... And that's probably why I got fed up, because yeah. it was on all the time. And it was boring. But, and, but listen, we've talked about in the past the shows that were always on, but they had 100 plus episodes. So you weren't seeing the same ones week in, week out. But the fact that these shows were all the same, so fuck all ever happened... And there were only 60 of them. That means in 12 weeks, you've gone through the entire lot. It feels like there were a lot more than 60. But that's because it would have been on all yeah. the fucking time. But it was just constantly back to the start, back to the start, back to the start. They, I think, again, it's the, no, it's the American model. If you go, right, what, how many do we need to be syndicated? 60, right, we'll bang out 60. Mm. And we'll just show them until people tell us to stop. Or yeah. stop paying for them. Yeah. And that's it. And I mean, it's quite sad in a way that you don't... It's good because you back your product that much to get it syndicated that you'll keep on churning it out until you get them. Good. Yeah. But at the same time, you think, well, if you're that proud of your product, keep making it. Keep making it, Keep yeah. doing it, because if people want it... Yeah, I, I think... And there was a market for this, definitely. I think the problem was they, there was a market, but there was no product. Well, yeah, that's right. Like well, they, they must have... There were far better products available. Yeah, they clearly run out of steam after the specials, and yeah. they had a whole show that they had to make. Yeah. But no stories to fill the show. Yeah. But then you think, well, in that time, so you have three years between the specials and the um, the first season. Get some fucking writers in. Yeah. Put together an arc. Put together some sort of fucking story. Yeah. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm, the more we talk about this show, <laughs> the more dumbfounded I am. I don't think I'll ever not fondly remember it because of the time I had with it as a child. And like I say, I like that theme tune and I like that intro. And I love the way it looks now, but fuck me, I'm annoyed with this show. But, but I mean, that's the whole point of the show. I mean, we did that. We did, um, before Christmas, we did the Himan Shira Christmas special, which I fucking loved as a child. And I watched, you know, it didn't have to be Christmas to watch it. It was just yeah. fucking there. Um, when we were watching it at Christmas time, didn't really hold up for me, I've got to be honest. It's terrible. But it, but it doesn't, that hasn't taken away from no. the place it's got in my head and my heart. I, but but I also, think, with that, it's terrible, but it's still... 
you can still watch it because it's still about something and it still has a story. And even though it's terrible and laughable, mm. you're able to put that on it. I think why I'm so annoyed about this is because I kind of, I'm so actually so apathetic towards it that I can't say it's terrible because of this or terrible because of that because there's nothing there. There's no substance. Yeah. Uh, maybe maybe I just haven't rewatched enough of it. I don't know. I, I don't know. I think you're probably right. I and mean, I only rewatched a couple um, just to reacquaint myself with the cocknoses. But um, yeah, it's just, as I said, there's, there's not a lot there. And I think you're right. The more we talk about it and the more things come up, we go, oh, fuck, I forgot about that. And it's it's the way we do it. We've talked about nostalgia and that's how uh, and so that yeah. the different ways it works on this show. And I think, this is, again, it's a part of it. It's a show that I remember from when I was six or seven years old or wherever it would have been. I remember it re-airing when I was about 10. Yeah. And then not seeing it again for 20 years. I mean, yeah. I, I, I mean, here's the thing, right? Let, let's just do a quick, just a quick experiment, okay? Um, shows that we're on around the same time. Yeah. Name me three things about Captain Planet. Yeah, green hair. Mm-hmm. Um, you had all the elements with... Were they rings or pendants? that you were rings. Yeah. Um, and he used to beat the fuck out of people. There you go, right? So three things. Giant hero, rings, beat the fuck out of people. Yeah. Three elements, but you've basically just given us the premise of the show. Yeah. Right, name me three things about gummy bears. Gummy bear juice. Yeah. The the one with the hat. Oh, what was his name? The, yeah, I know the guy you mean. It was like, like a tall hat with a purpley like thing. Yeah, the thing. feathery thing. Yeah. yeah. Um, and there was the cat, I can't remember the knight's name, but they were always... It was a castle, and they were always bouncing on over the walls and onto the guy's head. Onto yeah. the ogres and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Right? So there again, you've got the lead character, you've got gummy berry juice, and you've got they fought the old I always, in the wanted, I always wanted to make gummy berry yeah. juice. Right. Yeah. Well, they, they sold it in Tesco's. Um, that was just sugar, wasn't it? Yeah. It was nice, though. But again, we've encapsulated the show. Yeah. Right? We've, got, we've actually gone further towards synopsis there than premise, right? We've, we've encapsulated that show in three things. You just can't do it with the raccoons. Cocktails. That's it. That's it's Cyril it. Sneer, isn't it? Yeah. It's, Name yeah. me three things about the raccoons. You go, Cyril Sneer. Uh, I don't think you even get to Burt Raccoon, to be fair. You just go, the raccoons. Possibly his flying bike thing that he's riding in the intro. Flying bike thing? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You see what I mean? Yeah, completely forgot about that. Right? So, you don't you don't go to the pigs. You don't go to the bears. You just go, you go Cyril Sneer. Yeah. That's it. That's it. I... I... In going to this, I, I did remember it fondly, but the thing that stands out is the image of Cyril Sneer with that fucking cigar. Cigar, yeah, yeah. And that's it. But you wouldn't take those as two separate elements because that cigar is part of his character. Yeah. And yeah, you're right. You know, it's, it's just not there. And it's such a shame, actually, because I think it's possibly going to take the way I look at it going forward. Yeah, it certainly is for me. I'm really disappointed by it. Um, oh, man, I don't know. I still think there's potential in the show... Right, and will stop you there. On July 4th, 2017, it was revealed by series creator Kevin Gillis that he was working on a reboot of the series. An unlisted trailer was found on YouTube on the 11th of March 2018, but the trailer was quickly taken down by Big Jump Studios due to a copyright issue. Okay, look, please, if we're going to do this, let's put this right, because I think there is still just on nostalgia alone and there'll be people that aren't as harsh on it as us because this is something that we do so we're going to be harsh yeah there are people that will just fondly remember the raccoons and haven't gone back and revisited it and they'll they'll watch this because of that yeah so let's get it right let's give them a reason to to exist let's just not reboot it for the sake of it let's put these things right let's well, give it a it. story i mean i i i voiced my opinion on reboots and remakes so many times I'm not going to do it again but you're right if you're going to do it do it properly yeah um, but I'll move on from that quickly um, to the reception of it um, just because it really bites us in the arse what we've been saying okay. um, The Raccoons is well received by critics the New York Times in its review for the second TV special said The Raccoons are an adorable lot supported nicely by an attractive production Variety praised the third uh, special The Raccoons and the Lost Star calling it a rollicking good adventure filled with space age animation high tech gadgetry Lilting Tunes and a lovable sheepdog and the and the delightful raccoons team. So if they're talking about specials, there's no this talk is about the thing. The, and this is what I show. said. The specials were the, the specials got it right. Okay, those specials are still good. And perhaps perhaps we should revisit one of those specials. Maybe, Maybe we'll do it as a separate episode. Maybe look at the Christmas one when, when Christmas rolls around this year. But those yeah. specials are good. As animated features, which yeah. is essentially what they are, they are good. 
Um, I, I remember them very fondly. Um, but what, yeah, they're talking about the specials there, yeah, not I mean, the show. I mean, there's the comment on the shows, and the show was nominated for many awards, including a Gemini Award for Best Sound, which is always where you want to start. Yeah. Um, and best writing. Now, I can I can see the point. Of the, I can see where the writing deserves credit because of the way it handled the relationships. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And that's that. I would say is probably worth. Will probably warrant any any awards it was nominated for. However, there's no show. You can't you can't pin a show on character interactions. You need a story. Yeah. And I well, I mean, you can, but it's a it's a different show. That's a. Uh, we. Well, that's a drama. Okay, I'll, I'll rephrase it. You can't pin this show on character No, it's, a, it's not what the show is about. It's a children's animated show, and yeah. very consciously so. Yeah. It's about fluffy animals in a forest. This isn't... This isn't... Oh, we're going to say it again, but this isn't Doug, or this isn't Rugrats. No. Or, and like, you look at shows that base themselves on some of their best episodes on character interactions. You look at... So, certainly adult shows. You look at um, Walking Dead. Yeah. Probably the best episode of that is... Um, Rick and the governor sat in the dark room talking. Talking, to yeah. It's in Game phenomenal. of Thrones. The, the, my favourite exchange of the entire seven season so far is Daenerys and um, Peter Dinklage's character, whose name I can't remember. Tyrion. Tyrion. I want to call him Tyrion. They're, they're sat in the throne room talking. Mm. Just the two of them. That's the best 20 minutes of fucking TV in the entire show. Yeah. So you, you can hang a show on these character interactions. You can't hang a kid's show on 20 minutes of talking. No. You can't no. do it because kids won't follow it. No, and I, I genuinely be maybe I should rewatch more of this because I, the more we talk about it, the more I, I think that is why I fell off the show. Maybe probably because it went down this road and I got fucking bored. Now, as an adult, I may be in for this. Mm. I may be, but the problem is with those shows we talked about, like that exchange between Rick and the Governor came in season three. Yeah, uh, I think the Daenerys and Tyrion five. exchange was in five, right? So you've spent a lot of time with these characters. Yeah, but you've also done it in a world populated with other characters and with rich stories. Yeah. that get you there. Yeah, and you, you need know these characters. Yeah, you need to be there before you them, before need their the investment. Yeah. yeah, and and I don't know if you get that on what we already have here. No, I don't think so. Um, yeah, and I think that's possibly why, I mean, certainly for me, it doesn't really hold up. Um, just no. one, one interesting point to note in terms of the reception. In 1990, Bird and Lisa Raccoon were named as the mascots of the Canadian Olympic team, except there wasn't Olympics in 1990. First nice. Time, first time 92 came around, they had something else. Um, so, yeah, so, I mean, they were well-received at home, but possibly not anywhere yeah. else. Um, so, yeah, I mean, for me, it's just... I wa- I remember enjoying it at the time. I remember liking it at the time and wanting to watch it. What I've rewatched, I've gone, mm, yeah, okay, I'm not really that fast about. I haven't rewatched much of it, but it's not really jumped out. Being like, fuck me, I want to watch the the other mm. fifty five episodes or wherever it is that's left. That I haven't I haven't rewatched. It's not done that now. It's not had that. Whereas other shows, we've gone right, okay, let's rewatch a couple, and I've gone and rewatched the entire thing. Yeah, yeah. For me, um, as I say, I I liked it initially as a very young child. Probably because of how well produced it was. Mm. So it was just instantly attractive to sit down and disengage brain as a child yeah. and watch. And the music was catchy and it was colourful. and So I liked it. Uh, fell out of love with it, as I said. And then having re-watched it, I was really excited to go back and re-watch it. Watched a couple of episodes. Um, and I'll be honest, I didn't feel as negatively towards it watching those episodes as I have done <laughs> talking about it in the interim. Um, but the more we've discussed it, the, I feel like the more I've again fallen out of love with the show. So it certainly doesn't hold up. No. But, but I've only watched a couple of episodes and I do feel, having talked this through between us, that perhaps I should watch more because I could potentially come to revise my opinion again i don't know certainly the specials yeah are worth watching still those yeah. specials are very good animated features yeah the show i guess not so much i should re-watch some of it because i feel like i've been overly harsh without watching enough however i don't feel like i can because it just doesn't grab me at all yeah and i think you're probably right there i think that it's I've always, I also have said that I, w- I won't criticise something until I've read it, seen it, mm-hmm. heard it, whatever it may be. But once, once I have, if I then want to criticise it, I'm entitled to having invested the time yeah. to do it. I don't, I don't want to slam this show because it, it's something I do remember fondly. It is something that is an important part of my childhood. But at the same time, I think that's part of growing up sometimes. That you, the things you like as a child and the 
the things so that the side childish thing. Yeah, that's yeah. it. You you don't necessarily engage in the same way, and I think that's possibly. This is probably one of the few occasions where we both actually, yeah, no, it doesn't really stand up to what we want. As you'll have probably noticed, the shows that we tend to gravitate towards are ones that we loved and we love for a particular reason, and so still stand up for us now, twenty plus years on. I this think, one, I think, is probably one of the exceptions. Yeah, I think quality will always out, and quality is not necessarily linked to production value. Is, oh, absolutely. Is the key here. You know, some of the shows that we have gone back to. Um, and, and found that we still really love or have even surprised us the second time around because we've both had a few of those have been ones where like the writing team specifically it all, everything always comes back to the writing team yeah. are firing on all cylinders and there is a strong overarching story and characters that hook you and just because they're children's in inverted commas shows doesn't mean that you can't watch them as an adult This yeah. that's just not there if, if if you want this, if a, if an environmental message type of show and that that story is something you want, then Jesus, go for the Wombles or go for Fraggle Rock or go for Captain Planet, yeah. but not yeah this this doesn't do it for me. No, this this isn't the one. No. Yeah, so we'll we'll leave it there before we go and hang ourselves. Um, yeah, if you like what you've heard. Um, it's a bit of a strange one to say if you like what you've heard because we, we've, we've just negged off on a show for, for an hour. An hour. Yeah. Um, but yeah, you know, if, if you like the show, you want to hear others, go to our website, it's uh, ddpodcast.net. You can find us on iTunes, you can find us on Facebook with the Double Down Podcast Network. Um, you can find us at SMPDPod on Twitter. Um, get in touch, drop us a line if there's something you'd like us to talk about. Um, drop, let us know. We may be something that's on our list, it may be something we've not considered, it may be something we've not seen and we come at it from an entirely different angle. Who knows? But so get in touch, we do like the feedback. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, guys, like this time especially, I don't think I've ever been so negative. So this time especially, if I've missed something here, and as I say, I have only watched rewatched a couple. If I've missed something, if you love this show and I'm being overly critical and and you can come at me with something, then please do, because I'm, I'm all open to being proved wrong on this one. I really do want to like it. I just can't. So yeah, I mean, come at me please. Yeah, let, let us have it, both barrels, it's, it's absolutely fine, I mean, that's the whole point of the show, we want to, we want to get people talking, we want, we want people to listen, because then, you know, it means that people, yeah. want, people want to hear what we've got to say, but we want the discussion, we want the debate, now, we, we sit here and talk, and to be honest, it gets a little bit lonely sometimes, so join in, and yeah. the, 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 more, the more interaction we get with you guys, the, the more we'll get out of the show, and the more you get out of the show. So. Yeah, so please, if I'm wrong about the raccoons, I'm all ears, guys. And if there are specific episodes, like if you can point me in the direction of, no, 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 watch this one, please don't say the specials because, we know. as we said, we know they're, they're good. Um, but if I've missed something, then, yeah, let me have it, I guess. But uh, I've got no catchphrase to end the show on. Yeah, that's, that's uh, another bad another, sign. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, well, maybe not. Maybe it's because the characters are so well-rounded, as we've, we have had this on other shows as yeah. well, because I feel like any catchphrase would come from Bert or Cyril. Bert's an annoying cock and doesn't have one. Um, Cyril is the best written character, He's but as such, doesn't have a catchphrase. Yeah, that's right. So I guess just see you next time. See you later.